Have you ever eaten gold? No, I've heard that it is tasteless. I've had it, yeah. I mean, it's tasteless and it, it also has no flavor. <laughs> but it looks cool and you're thinking, I'm eating gold. Hi there. Welcome to Just To Be Nominated, a podcast about movies that is distributed by Lee Enterprises. The show is hosted by Bruce Miller, an entertainment reporter for multiple decades who is currently the editor of the Sioux City Journal, Jared McNett, a reporter for the Globe Gazette in Mason City, Iowa, and me, Chris Lay, the podcast operations manager for Lee. So far as new releases go, this weekend is all about Fast and Furious 9, which we make sure to touch on. But there are also some really intriguing movies hitting streaming services that get highlighted as well. Then, with Liam Neeson's latest middle-brow action flick, The Ice Road, hitting Netflix, we decided to celebrate some maybe lesser-known Liam Neeson films that are well worth tracking down. Finally, we'll get into some of the latest movie news and, in no uncertain terms, tell Harrison Ford to retire. You can find links to all the movies that we talk about in the show notes, along with contact info if you want to sound off in our inbox or Twitter DMs. Let us know what you think in the review section. Let us know what you think in the review section of the show, wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here it is. Our show kicks off after this short pause. Welcome to uh, Just To Be Nominated, a podcast about movies and, and entertainment uh, from Lee Enterprises. We got Jared McNett out in Mason City for the Mason City Globe Gazette. I am out uh, foraging for truffles right now. And we got uh, Bruce Miller out in Sioux City. I would never go truffle hunting. Sorry. It's, a, it's out of my wheelhouse. If it's outside, it's not for me. I mean, what is it like? They used to have pigs and now they've trained dogs to do it? Well, aren't they pulling the dogs from all the other things? Dogs aren't going to be sniffing drugs anymore because drugs are okay. Those pot sniffing dogs have got to be doing something else and it's probably going to be truffles. Much more lucrative, I would imagine, as far as uh, per ounce. So what's up for the new week? What do we have? I mean, the big movie that's coming out is F9. F9, yeah. F9 looks so bizarre, so over the top that I you know, enjoy. Where does it fall in that? I mean, the kind of like mega blockbusters, like I'm thinking of Skyscraper specifically, which I know is not obviously in the Fast and Furious franchise, but it's got the rock in it. Uh, and, you know, of him like, you know, jumping between buildings. And that's for some reason on par with the idea of these guys driving a Corvette into space or whatever they do in F9. Uh, with spacesuits that are, you know, duct taped together. It started so simply. The whole series started so simply. Once they got money, it just went downhill. Yeah. I don't know if it went downhill. It just turned into something completely different. Peaks and valleys. Peaks and valleys. Yeah. But do you even know who is who? When you watch the thing, you're going to, wait a minute, which one was that one? What was his thing? And you don't really know because they go too fast. And this one has a horde of them. May I just tell you, a lot of those people are coming back for a one shot to be able to say that they were part of the, the franchise. And they have a little kind of a hat tip to Paul Walker. And then they bring in John Cena as the brother of Vin Diesel. 
they look so much alike. It's a twin situation. I think it is, yeah. But so, and, and then Charlize Theron, who's just meaner than snot, she's in there causing trouble. So it's, it's, it's the same, and you know, what they're trying to do is reboot it. And by the way, in case you're a trivia person, um, Vin Diesel's son is in playing a younger version of him in this. All that wonderful nepotism. But how many, how many other franchises are there that have made it to nine entries? Oh, Friday the 13th. Yeah, it's mostly horror. I can't think of like any action franchises that have made it this many. Universal Soldier, maybe? No, not even that. That's, uh, that's six movies. Yeah, and so much of those, I would, I mean, I don't know if I'd count straight the video, honestly. Rocky got a lot. Yeah. I guess, yeah, with the Creed movies, that's up to seven. No, eight. Yeah, with both of the Creeds and, yeah. But yeah, an action franchise going that long is pretty insane. The thing is, though, they have so many characters. If you yeah. go back, and some of the ones from the beginning only get a little quick, how do you do, and they're out. With, with F9, it seems like we're, we're getting to watch something, I guess, that, that has aged that much and thus mutated through what just sheer force of will <laughs> in, in this media landscape. And this is what it's become is it, it was already incredibly bombastic and crazy. And now it's that much more to the nth degree. And it seems like that level of big blockbuster films uh, is, you know, just leaned into the you know, flexing, hulking grunts that are doing funny things, but also insanity. It looks like, you know, James Bond twisted and turned all those years and put in new people. Um, so maybe that's its, its template. Is it looking at that as how can we keep this going? Because they had some goofy ones in there where they were funny and stupid. And then they kind of went back to serious. And so... It could be James Bond is the template for F9. I didn't know this until recently, but there is a Fast and the Furious like Origins type uh, animated show on Netflix and it's gone for multiple seasons. And it's like, you know, what Toretto and everybody when they were kids. Oh, Fast and Furious Spy Racers. There you go. It's on, yeah, fourth, that's in a fourth season now because every show is like in a fourth season, even ones I've never heard of. It's the, the strength of the IP. What's interesting about all of these is that you really don't need to learn lines because you don't have lines. Okay. And then you're kind of out of there or let's go. That's about as bad as it gets. Just a couple of witty bands and you're good. Right, right. I have asked a lot of actors who have been in these films if they're really acting when they're doing the stunts. And they said, well, you're so busy thinking about, are you going to do it? Can you make it? Are you going to be okay? That really, it kind of isn't acting. It's really just surviving. So those aren't actors. Those are survivors. And it also seems like they're one, they're the kind of thing where, I mean, the scripts are already kind of put together by committee. And I'm, I'm not knocking any of this. It's a very specific kind of thing, but there isn't the the artistry to it is is much more uh bloodless i guess if that makes sense it's interesting how much time do the actors actually spend on set they're probably not there very long and then it's all done in special effects 
you know, animators somewhere are throwing these cars up in the air and figuring everything out. I bet we could do this. We could throw one of these off in a weekend. And I'm not going to take that bet. <laughs> oh, I'd love to do it. I think it'd be fun to be in one of those films. No, no. Hostage situation. That's in theaters. And I mean, is that one of the first, if not the first, like big blockbuster that is coming out in theaters and only in theaters? Congress is Godzilla was on demand, right? Yeah, yeah. That, that hit HBO. I mean, and, and there are others that have, I think, had like VOD options either uh, through uh, HBO or Amazon or wherever else. But I think this is the first one that is like the only way to see it for the first however many weeks is going to be in the theaters. Unless, I mean, you, you were shaking your head, Bruce. Yeah, I think there was one. I think there was another one before this. Um, but can you really oversalt the popcorn at home and turn up the sound so loud that you can't stand it? No, you got to be in a theater for that. Oh, I mean, this is definitely one that needs to be seen in the theater to, I think, get get the, the most bang for your buck. Well, and at least from what I was reading, it's already been out. I, I had forgotten this until I was getting ready for today, that it's already been out for like a month in a bunch of markets and it's already made like $290 million. So... Isn't it in Europe or someplace like, or maybe Asia? Yeah, it's in Europe and yeah, in Asia Pacific. Like it's already, the budget for the movie was like 200 million and it's already made like 292 million, so. So everything is just icing on the cake after this? Yeah. Have you ever been in a theater where people are pulled out for filming the thing? No. Oh, this is like unreal. So you're sitting in there and there's some guy with like, I don't know if they're, some kind of glasses that he's on and he's scanning the audience at all times because he's looking for somebody holding up a cell phone to like videotape the whole thing or tape it. And I've had them where they come right over and they grab the person and they throw them out. It's like a better show in the show watching to make sure that they're not taping this thing for future display. Mm -hmm. But I've, I've seen those films where somebody like stands up, you know, where you've seen a bootleg and you go, Oh, wow. The, the, the closest I had to that in recent memory uh, was the when I went to go see uh, Joker in theaters back in 2019. I was back in Kansas City and I saw it there with a couple of friends. And uh, this guy that was like really into the movie and kept talking like the whole time. At one point near the end, he eventually stood up and just started like filming the movie with his uh, camera and was just saying repeatedly, this movie is a masterpiece. This movie is a masterpiece. And was just filming like the screen with his phone. <laughs> then he wants, he'll be, he wants to be on their social media chain. And then they say, you cannot do that. Take it down right now or else we're coming to kill you. Oh, he got asked to leave after that. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, it's brutal. It's brutal. You don't want to be there. And you, then, and I've even had it where if I looked at my phone, they would come over to me. I have been in like, it's like festival screenings, you know, that are like pre-release type things where, you know, they'll have these like rent the cops, you know, come in and just kind of stand there and watch. And, and they are very serious about it. Like you are supposed to turn your phone off, like from the second you sit down and, and not turn it back on. And they are very intense about it. They will send a Vin Diesel type dude at you to keep you from being on your phone. Yeah. I think I, I actually had a, a bootleg tape of episode one 
because I used to be on these like bootleg, like, you know, concert, uh, like forums back in, you know, 97, 98, 99, whatever. And somebody like popped up on some forums. Like I got this, this VHS tape from, uh, <laughs> and it was, you know, like you said, Bruce, it was a, you know, camcorder in a theater, <laughs> kind of shaky, terrible, terrible. And so, yeah, that was the, that was the only bootleg that I've ever had like that. And uh, I feel like that was peak uh, 1999. So I have a bootleg of a uh, Nacho Libre. You saw that on, on bootleg? I, I saw it in theaters, but then I have a bootleg of it too. Hey, don't say that out loud because they'll come and get you. I have, when I have screeners of anything, they always have like a big FBI warning before it starts. It scares the hell out of you. You don't even want anybody in the house. You say like, everybody clear out. I'm watching this because I'm not going to have anybody do anything. And you know, call if you happen to know anybody who's bootlegging this thing. Well, your name runs across the screen half the time, so you know whose it is. But it's a scary, it's a scary situation. So yeah, F9 is certainly the the big one for this weekend. And then we've got some other smaller stuff, uh, mostly on streaming, uh, that's coming out. I before we jumped on to record, I just finished watching Good on Paper which is on Netflix. Is it good? It is. Okay. Um, I like Ryan Hansen. Is it Ryan Hansen? Yeah, I like him. I think he's funny. He was in that thing where they were all party, like workers, party down. Yeah. I like him. And he had his own show too. We went to the set of this show. I can't even remember the name of it, but they never learned lines. They had huge screen TVs that were kind of out of the range of the camera and they could just read the lines. And I thought, this is my kind of TV show. He plays like a nerdy guy that a woman falls in love with. Is that the deal? So Eliza uh, Schlesinger, who is a, a real life comedian and actress, um, she is, is a you know comedian and aspiring actress in this film and gets, I mean, I don't want to reveal you know too much, but there's definitely a couple of twists and turns in there. Uh, and then, yeah just kind of gets sort of bamboozled by this guy. Uh, and then it's all downhill, you know, from there. And it's them, her and her friends dealing with this uh, in LA. And it's, it's fine. I don't know. I mean, it's like uh, everyone, I mean, she's really good. Uh, it seems like it's based on something that actually happened in, in her life. It, it opens with this disclaimer of, you know, it's based on a, on a true story or, it's a, you know, a riff on, on a true story type thing. So I don't know. It was fine. Yeah. What does she have that he wants? Uh, affection, validation. I mean, it's definitely, it's, it's catfishing, but without any, uh, without any, any real crime, I guess, other than, I mean, he just, he lies about a whole bunch of stuff, but it's, he's just a very shallow and, um, What's the, yeah, he's, he's a very, very weak-willed, very callow individual. My kind of person. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, does, does she come off like Amy Schumer on screen or is she not that okay? No, she's not as, as bombastic as Amy Schumer. She's not as goofy. Uh, I think... And she's actually been in a couple of things already. I think she played, uh, who was it? Somebody's girlfriend in, 
pieces of a woman. Yes, that's it. That's it. Yeah. Um, be, and then like Tiffany Haddish kind of does a little riff on her own life. It's not like that, right? Uh, I don't think so. It's more of a character. Yeah. I mean, it's, oh. yeah, it's, it's, it's fine. I mean, you'll, it's okay. the perfect kind of like, it's, you know, you just got off work and all you want to do is like scroll through, you know, your messages and Twitter and whatever. And, uh, you know, and have that on in the background and, and, and just kind of, it's, it's good uh, wallpaper, I suppose. You know, it's something a, you'll forget about in like a day, but you're fine having it on. Sure. Sure. Okay. You yeah. can eat to it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's, it, there's a very specific kind of man that is uh, being made into, uh, you know, the villain in the film uh, in a way it's not, it's not really, I don't know. I know that we, as a culture kind of throw around me too at this point. Uh, and this is not that necessarily, but it's certainly a, uh, a very specific kind of maybe, you know, toxic masculinity that is being explored there in a way that I don't think I've seen before. Uh, and yeah, so just, and there's just a promising young woman, right? No, no, but you know, certainly I think in that same realm of like, you know, bad guy, um, but just not as aggressively. So, so yeah, there's, there's more shades to it and yeah, yeah, it was fine. I got no problems with it. He gave it one sort of thumb, right? Yeah. I'll give it one thumbs up. I mean, it's, I, I don't think anybody who sees it is not going to be like, you know, texting their friends saying this new thing just hit Netflix. You got to see it. And yeah, I think it's weird because we're, we're recording this on Wednesday and it came out on Wednesday. So I don't know how often they release stuff on Wednesday. I don't know if that is a, a Netflix version of a dumping ground type thing or, or not, but I don't know. It's fine. Or maybe they're just trying to build a little bit of a uh, word of mouth going into the weekend. Or they really have no faith in it and it's just being dumped. It's possible. It's possible. Anything on the, the new releases list that jumped out at you, Jared? Well, I guess the main one, I guess we're pushing back probably until next week now, but um, I, any chance I get to talk about the Forever Purge, I will uh, seize on that. But if we want to talk about that next week, uh, we certainly can. Um, I guess uh, got to talk, right, about uh, Liam Neeson having a new movie uh, coming out this week. Um and uh, this one is from the uh, gentleman who directed the uh, the 2000, was it the 2004 Punisher movie? Yep, 2004, yeah, the first one with John Travolta. Yeah, which actually I still maintain was, was solid. Um, Jonathan Hensley is the guy's name. And he also has like credits, writing credits for Die Hard with a Vengeance, uh, Jumanji, uh, Armageddon, uh, what else? Uh, Kill the Irishman, which is different than the Irishman that was like 2011 and had like Christopher Walken in it. Um, but all, all those are like ones where he's like one credited writer of like 10 other people. Um, like he's credited for like Gemini Man, which has like 50 million writing credits on it. But um, no, I think it's, 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 it feels all too pro, uh, perfect at the same week that there's a new uh, Fast and Furious movie. Liam Mason is also getting back out there again to do another action movie. 
um, in this case, a disaster uh, action movie where he's trapped under some in a mine or something. And there's some ice. I think they have to they have to rescue some guys in like a diamond mine in Alaska, and like the ice is melting, and so the the mine is flooding, and there's you know the the ticking clock. Um, and Liam Neeson is the only one who can solve something or other. And it's the same thing he did the last time with a big old ice. It's the same thing. He's in it. And I'm sure he probably kind of is just sleepwalking through it. Lawrence Fishburne's in it. Lawrence Fishburne kind of sleepwalk, sleepwalks through a lot of stuff these days too. Um, Holt uh, McElhaney from uh, Mindhunter also in it, um, which I mean, he's pretty great in uh, Mindhunter. Um, yeah, I know one stuff. Do what? Same old stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same old stuff. Um, and you know, come on, does he even work? I swear he doesn't work at all. This is what he could be next is the janitor at the school who has the master key to everything. I've got the master key. I can get you in anywhere. A trope. Because really, he's done this. We've been there. We've done that. We've killed off almost every kid he had. Based on the trailer, it seems like it could be exactly what you're saying. Or it also could be like, I think people watched Cliffhanger and thought, or, you know, the, the trailer for Cliffhanger or whatever, and thought like, ah, this might be bad. And then ended up being, you know, a lot of fun in its own way. So I think it could be good. And I mean, we'll... We'll see. The only good one was taken because you didn't expect it. And then after that, it's all taken. Yeah. I mean, it's it's on Netflix. So people can check it out for, <laughs> you know, I mean, and, you know, make it half an hour in, see if it's any good. I'm going to give it a shot. Uh, I was just watching this uh, for the first time the other day. I was back down in Kansas City. Um, and I hadn't seen the movie The Last Stand. I've been on an Arnold Schwarzenegger kick, and I've mostly been watching ones from like the Primo run from the '80s. But I got um, uh, Last Stand, or I watched it on Hulu. I saw that it was on Hulu, and that movie was like really, really good, and like a great like later career movie for Arnold, and kind of a perfect use of like where he is at this point, you know, in his career as like an older guy still trying to do action stuff. Liam Neeson needs a movie like that. And the reason it worked for Arnold in part is because he was paired with the, you know, kind of off the wall director from another country and Liam Neeson can do that. He just needs to find a, a competent director and to, to salvage. <laughs> he can still, I still think he can pull off one more good action movie. It's just that uh, he's, he's not trying and the directors he's working with. I don't think are trying too much either. Well, what keeps you from doing a great drama? He could do a lot of those Brian Dennehy roles, things like that, that you think, here's a guy who's got the ability. He's great. He was great in Widows. I I do look at some of these ones, though, and you think, is it money? Is it really money? With uh, Morgan Freeman turning up in that Hitman's whatever, 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 that was like, yeah, that was embarrassing. Embarrassing. He shouldn't have been in that because he's better than that. And you think, God, I was just so upset when he didn't win for Driving Miss Daisy. And then, you know, and he didn't win for Shawshank, right? And I think, 
here was the greatest performance of the year. And then they kind of toss him one for Unforgiven. And then he starts doing some of these phone it in movies. Mm -mm, I don't like that. Let's he was also in a movie, Margaret Morgan Freeman was earlier this year called, wait, I think earlier this year. Yeah, called Vanquish. It came out like in April and he played a retired cop. <laughs> I don't think I don't think he needs to be doing. Yeah, to your point, Bruce. I don't think he needs to be doing those kind of movies. No, because he's too good. He's we yeah. we couldn't have. I mean, come on. You look at some of those ones. They can only do two or three lines, and they're good. But here's an actor who could give you acres of copy that he could make you really feel something about, and he's doing this junk. I'm really torn because on the one hand, you know, I mean, what would I do in that situation where, you know, someone would pay me, you know, I don't know, a couple million dollars of which obviously I'm going to get a, a portion of the rest is going to get, you know, spread around to my, my team. Um, but, you know, to basically kind of sleepwalk through something and, and, and you already have this, you know, massive body of work. I mean, no one is going to begrudge you, but it's, you know, I mean, yeah, and Morgan Freeman specifically is someone who is so good <laughs> in so many things. And it's, you know, I, I don't want to say he doesn't deserve a break. I mean, the one who's doing it right is Adam Sandler. I mean, he's the one who is like, I'm going to absolutely coast every 10 years. I'm going to do a good indie movie. And then in between, I'm going to only do movies where I get to fly my entire family and all of my best friends out to Hawaii or Maui or, you know, you know, Florida, whatever, anywhere that's, you know, really nice. And we're just going to get to hang out, be ding-dongs People together. still love him. Yeah. 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 Uh, he puts his money into those, those good films. So he's making sure that, you know, there is a good one in there. Some of these ones, I don't know that there is a good one in there. I think it's just either they're paying a lot of alimony or, you know, it's, I need every dime I can find. But it's sad because well, it's like the uh, it's like, you know, when they asked Michael Caine about being in like Jaws for the revenge and he basically says that that paid for like a new house or whatever. Like, yeah, I think that's the, probably the mentality for someone. I yeah. get it. That's OK. That's OK. Yeah. But you also I mean, the other side of that coin is like you were saying, Bruce, where it's these people are talented and it's it's a waste of their talent in these films. Um. And yeah, there's a lot that Liam Neeson could do. And I think in the next chunk, we're going to talk about, you know, great movies that he was in that are kind of along those same lines, maybe. Uh, the other movie that I'm excited about, and I feel like, Jared, you're going to be really into. Bruce, we'll see. No? <laughs> no? False no, positive? No. You go for it. False positive. It's um, this sort of like contemporary take on Rosemary's Baby. It's uh, starring uh, Ilana Glazer from from Broad City and Justin Theroux. And Bruce is shaking his head. I hated Rosemary's Baby. Hated Rosemary's Baby. I thought they were living in my neighborhood. And the devil was going to be there. So I saw it as a kid. And any kind of spin on that? No, no. Wait. Don't want it. You hated Rosemary's Baby. Did you hate it because it, it was... Because it's scary, freaky, scary. I thought as a child. So it was effective, is what you're saying. Oh, it was definitely, yeah. But I, I still don't want to see it. I don't like those ones where the devil babies are kind of hanging out there and 
ready to take over. We've got enough real ones that are working our system. So, yeah, I think uh, this one, it's, it's a collaboration between A24 and Hulu. So it's got that indie cred to it. Um, Pierce Brosnan is in it and plays a doctor. A24 Um, did the one that we mentioned many times, uh, Midsummer, which, you know, was not your cup of tea. No, I, I I was scared to death by it, but it it worked. It worked. It's just I don't want to see it again. I don't want to go to Sweden or wherever they were, Norway, I don't know where, and jump off a cliff because I think I'm near that age where they'd push you. So I think yeah. I'm yeah, more than yeah. You know, I, when they first said you couldn't go to the bathroom, I, that was a, an idea that I thought, oh God, no, this is going to be bad. I couldn't stay with these people. This is bad. And then flies on the food pass. So, so anyway, this is a, another one that I probably will not rush to see, but I will rush to judge. Fair enough. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I'm really intrigued because it's, uh, it's from, uh, I can't remember his name. But it's one of the guys who did Wonder Shows in. Uh, did you guys Johnny. ever watch Wonder Shows in? From uh, MTV2, right? Yeah, it was, uh, I think it went for like two seasons and it was a puppet show uh, type thing, but it was all about, I mean, you know, the brutal aspects of, <laughs> of adult life. Um, and yeah, had like a, all these crazy man on the street things where they'd have kids go out there. I don't know. It's, it's a very uh, kind of, humorous and cynical approach uh, to to a lot of you know childlike materials i'm wondering what mentality like that's going to end up affecting with this yeah wonder shows in it's got like some adult swim type vibes to it even though it wasn't on adult swim. oh it would have well i mean it came out you know before adult swim or you know before adult swim really i think it established itself and branched out into doing all that stuff i think those guys, uh, I'm sure that those, he's probably done some Adult Swim work in the past. Uh, I think PFFR was the production company that he was. Anyway, False Positive. So that, guy, that guy is the director for False Positive. Um, yeah. So that kind of does it for the new releases. For this week. Yeah, for this week. I'm, I'm most looking forward to False Positive. And, uh, but everyone's going to see F9. And everyone's dad is going to see the ice road. So next up for the staff picks chunk theme that we got this time around is like low to mid budget Liam Neeson movies of which there are a lot might have fallen off the radar, but are worth a second look. Cause I think, you know, a lot of those movies, it's hard to keep track of all those Liam Neeson things. I don't know uh, which one of you guys want to toss your, your recommendations out first. I'm looking at the list. Some of these I've never heard of. Yeah, there's there's some yeah that I'm not aware of, or like just vaguely remember, like nonstop from 2014 with uh, him and Julian Moore. That one, he's a uh, air marshal, I think. Maybe I don't know. Um, my pick, actually, kind of keeping in touch with the uh, movie he's got coming out this week, The Ice Road. Uh, and I mean, a, l- a little while back now, he did the gray back in uh, 2012, which is actually pretty good. I don't know if it necessarily counts for this or not, but uh, my pick was Cold Pursuit, which came out in 
2019. So it came out two years ago, but I'm not really sure it has any footprint left at all now. And it's not really a movie that's going to blow your mind by any means, but it's kind of intriguing for a Liam Neeson movie at this point because it has some action in it. Um, but it isn't like super fast paced and uh, kind of like uh, I think the movie Chris is going to pick, it can get uh, kind of pitch black at times. Um, but it's also genuinely um, funny in some parts too. Again, like funny in a pitch black uh, humor sort of way, but uh, still funny, uh, which can't really be said for a lot of other Liam Neeson uh, action movies, which are usually, even the good ones, pretty humorless. So Cold Pursuit is my, uh, my pick for the people. I'm picking Kinsey. Do you remember Kinsey, which is about the sex therapist? It was very good in that. And, and there, the whole cast was good in it. Um, it showed where he could have gone, where he could have done a lot of those kind of heavy dramas that teach you something, because he certainly had a Schindler's List. And this could have taken him in another direction and kept on. And then he went off on, you know, his tangent. But um, I thought, he, you know, he's a... He's a very good dramatic actor. Um, he's a very softy. He's a softy in, in real life. He's not at all like this kind of, I'm gonna kick your butt, that kind of thing. He doesn't do that in real life. He's just real gentle. A gentle giant would be a good way to describe it in person. But he did a movie with his son um, more recently. Uh, it was in Italy, it's something called Made in Italy, I think it is. And that's his son who plays his son in the movie. And it was a good way for them to bond after um, his wife died. And I think he realized that maybe he was spending too much time making movies that he really wasn't with his son as much as he should have been. And they had a great time and the son is good. The son can do a, a lot. And he used his um, mother's last name, Richardson um, in the film. So he isn't using Neeson as the name there but Kinsey was my pick so that's what I'm going with yeah that one is really good the pick that I've got is a walk among the tombstones which it's based on a novel by Lawrence Block a whole series uh, that he's done uh, about a former police officer now a private eye um, named Matt Scudder He's sober after many, many years of, you know, being a drunk. Uh, and yeah, Liam Neeson plays the Matt Scudder character. And it is nice and dark and, and really good. It's by, it's directed by Scott Frank, who people will know as the, the director and, you know, showrunner for Queen's Gambit, which everybody absolutely binged on. Uh, and previously also Godless, uh, which was another Netflix series that is overlooked. He also worked on uh, Logan and uh, Out of Sight, the Steven Soderbergh movie too. Mm -hmm. So those kind of fit right in line with uh, Walk Among the Tombstones. Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, you know, explorations of masculinity, uh, you know, layers there. It's one of those movies that I feel like uh, very underseen, should be seen. It's not streaming anywhere right now, which is very frustrating. I think I... I had to rent it on like Amazon for like three bucks or whatever a few months months ago to to see it again. And it's uh it's really good. It's very pulpy too, right, Chris? Yes. Yeah, yeah. The I mean the series that it's based on um is the 
like, you know, very much the, the kind of paperbacks that you would get at a, you know, airport type thing has like the Matt Scudder series of books and yeah, it's good stuff. So they didn't do any next second version or third, third uh, sequel or anything like that to it. No, no. Um, there has been a, the, the Matt Scudder character has been adapted a couple of other times, or at least it's been attempted to, um, most notably in the film, 8 million ways to die from 86 directed by Hal Ashby. It was one of Hal Ashby's final films. Uh, if not his actual final film, I can't remember specifically, but, and that's one that is, it's also very good and pulpy. It's an early role for Jeff Bridges. Um, and yeah, that was, it was kind of uh, taken away from Hal Ashby in post-production. So it's hard to really, you know, call it a Hal, Ash Hal Ashby film, but a little bit of a mess. That one is really good. And that's actually, that's, I think I saw that streaming on Amazon or something a while back but anyway yeah and it actually i was checking it was hal ashby's last movie so there you go yeah so my pick a walk amongst the tombstones uh very good movie kind of fits in that you know kind of dirty crime grimy stuff um yeah so that's the staff picks i was looking to see if there was another hal ashby's pictures name me a few of them do you have them on the top of your head um, being Maud. there, Harold and Maude, yeah. Um, shampoo. Shampoo. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, I remember that one. Okay. Yep. What was it? He actually, I think he did. Oh, God. Why am I totally like drawing a blank? Uh, yeah, Jeff Bridges. He, uh, Jeff Bridges, I think, got his start in another Hal Ashby movie. Um, Ashby also did uh, the last detail with uh, Jack Nicholson and last Blake. detail. That's the one I'm thinking of. Yes, last detail. Love that film. It's so. I was thinking, was it five, five easy pieces or was it last detail? And it's last detail. That's exactly it. Yeah, yeah. I think five easy pieces was that was a BBS production. I think um, was it Raffleson that directed that? It's like the same like Easy Rider crew. Yeah. It was the same like Easy Rider posse that made that. Um, yeah. Was it like the same same bunch of films where it's like a, what King of Marvin Gardens and yeah. He Good did stuff. Being There, Coming Home. He's got a lot of big hits. Bound for Glory. Bound for Glory in that great year, 1976, where it was big pictures that were up for best picture. And that was one of them. It was beaten by Rocky, though. So there you go. That was the year that we had Network, All the President's Men. Yeah, so it was interesting. Big year. Well, was that, I mean, the only thing that wasn't beaten by Rocky in, in that year was, was Apollo Creed. So. Proud of that joke, Chris? Good one. <laughs> Good one. So next up, we got, we're going to crack open movie news. Jared, I saw you got a, a pick in there. What uh, what news item are you gonna do. chat about? Well, I have uh, two because I can never stick to just one thing. But the the main one I had was uh, that uh, the movie Dune, the new one uh, with uh, directed by Denis Villeneuve, 
Um, and uh, Last Night in Soho, directed by uh, Edgar Wright, are some of the first uh, movies that are confirmed for uh, TIFF uh, in the fall, Toronto International Film Festival. Um, I picked that in part because it's a sign that <clears throat> the festivals are kind of getting back to normal, but also a little bit slightly too for what stuff like this could possibly um, portend for the Academy Award season. I know since it's a sci-fi uh, epic, I'm not going to go out on a limb and say that Dune is going to be breaking in uh, nominations in like the non-technical categories at like the Academy Awards. But I mean, Blade Runner did get a win for best cinematography and like Arrival got uh, Denis a best director nomination. So it's possible that Dune could uh, get some of those nominations in some of those categories besides, you know, like sound editing and stuff like that. And then as for um, Soho, I'm curious about that one because it's uh, Edgar Wright's first movie that's not at all billed as a comedy. Um, it's uh, like a psychological horror movie, um, which I'm fairly certain, again, that's not going to be an awards darling because the Academy Awards don't like horror movies, but I'm still intrigued by it because it has uh, Anya Taylor-Joy. We mentioned uh, Queen's Gambit just a little bit ago. Uh, she's in it as like a fashion designer uh, stuck in the 60s. Um, and of course, you know, she has a great uh, horror and uh, psychological thriller pedigree with uh, The Witch and also Thoroughbreds. Um, and Thoroughbreds, then, uh, another, another very underrated film that everyone should definitely catch up on that if you like Anya Taylor-Joy. Also very dark. Yes. Very, very dark. Um, and then uh, Terrence Stamp is also in uh, Last Night in Soho and I'll always have love for him after seeing him and uh, The Limey, which is absolutely one of the best uh, Soderbergh uh, movies, another very pulpy movie if you want a good uh, pulp type uh, one. So that was my main kind of thing I was interested in is just seeing these announcements for all these uh, festivals as we kind of uh, hedge a little bit more uh, toward normal. There's something then, a little bit, not to, you know, jump, kind of break this up a little bit, but the, I mean, there's something a little bit, not, not disorienting, but very strange about, all these movies that are finally coming out where like Dune and, and one night in Soho or last night in Soho are one are movies that I remember us talking about over a year ago before, you know, like right before quarantine as things that we were really looking forward to coming out last year. And, you know, as, as the 2020 slate of films is kind of getting, you know, shuffled into the deck of, 2021 uh it's just it's very strange to have these things where you've been excited about them for long enough and it's yeah and dune i mean i definitely think that that's one that has some oscar potential specifically with the technical things but it's also i mean it could be terrible i mean dune is such a it's a very difficult book to film and it's i i think he's gonna be okay but it it's either going to be amazing or it's going to be you know just it's going to be just stepping on a rake you know well and i I think for the most part anymore except for like the rare stuff like cats like any of the big the big splashy kind of stuff is never going to be so bad that it's entertaining because these are like focus tested and like so much that i don't think you're going to see a lot of the big companies let a movie that's truly just a like a hilarious bomb like out into the world anymore i could be wrong but i can't think of any in recent memory again other than cats but a little bit different with that i guess 
What do you think about that, Bruce? You think uh, Dune's going to be good? No, I don't think it will. Be. <laughs> no faith. I think it'll be one of those. You'll go, oh, okay, yeah, that's good, but uh, it's not going to be the blockbuster they want. You know, you got Timothy Chalamet in there. Okay, interesting, because he's kind of a uh, a favored choice at this point. But I don't know that you necessarily want to see it in Dune. You know. And he's he's also not necessarily like a, a box office draw. No, he's just, he has a little prestige to him where people want to work with him because they think he's kind of the flavor that is a little, he's very River Phoenix in his, in his approach. You know, he'll take good things, but he isn't necessarily the best thing in everything he's in. So, yeah, I, I mean, I'll see it. It'll be interesting. It'll be good. Um, did you see the news this week about documentaries? If a documentary is considered for an Oscar, it can't be considered for an Emmy. And they used to double up on that a lot, where you'd see the movie would win the Oscar for whatever. And then it would they'd enter it into the Emmys and it win the Emmy too. So it could be double dipping. And there's no double dipping anymore. So I think that's a good move because it opens is the door there, to more. Is there like a specific like thing this is like kind of not in retaliation against, but is there something that like kind of forced well, this to happen? Free Solo um, cleaned house okay. on both of the two things. So I think that was probably, you know, people going, wait a minute here now. You're not gonna be, just because you throw it on National Geographic or whatever it was, whatever the platform it was, doesn't mean that it's fresh there. You've already won an Oscar with it. And I think that's that's as it should be, because if you want to declare what your picture is, do it. But don't try to get, you know, oh, I didn't get the Oscar, so let's try and put it in for the Emmys. We might get that. And and I guess, too, um, OJ Made America, I think, doubled up with the Academy Awards and the Emmys. If that's kind of the, the reverse version of that, where I know, I mean, it's a fantastic film. And they did screen it in these, you know, marathon six hour things at, you know, various festivals, but it certainly felt like it was much more of a TV product all in all. Yeah. And the Michael Jordan thing, that's another one that would have to declare where it's going to be. Um, and then they're, they're changing, or I guess you get the option of declaring yourself as an actor or a performer in the Emmys. Um, so they're more kind of gender neutral. So that's an interesting twist. I don't know that they're changing the categories to just one best performance because they hand out those like they're candy at Halloween. But um, but it could be, you know, it could be a, a first step in changing all of that. Interesting. Do you think that it's going to change the way that people submit things to the Oscars or just the way that people submit things to the Emmys? Well, Emmys, because they have so many categories and they have a, a more transgender friendly um, uh, audience for the Emmys with Pose and shows like that, um, there is a, a place for them. But the Oscars and, you know, come on, they're never going to eliminate categories in the Oscars when it comes to acting. They're not going to have best performance. And then you give one. That's like, no, that's not going to happen. So they'll always have the split things, but they probably will just call it, if anything, best performance, 
in the uh, of a male character or something. But it is interesting to see how this is changing, but it's a slow, slow change. So that's my news for you this week. Was the um, Jared? I think you had one more thing you wanted to to squeeze in there. You wanted to just I, wring I every did, bit of juice it, out of this uh, this lemon yes, here. Yes. Because it was a, a trailer and it, for a movie that's coming out pretty soon. So we'll uh, hopefully get to talk about it in a couple of weeks. And uh, it was the main thing that I was obsessed with uh, Thursday into Friday last week. And that was the trailer for the movie Pig, uh, which is coming out on uh, July 16th from uh, Neon, which uh, was responsible for I, Tanya and Parasite. And it's a, a drama slash a character study with uh, Nicolas Cage, where he plays a truffle hunter uh, in the Pacific Northwest, whose uh, beloved pig um, goes missing. And I've watched the trailer a couple times, and it genuinely looks really good. So it's going to be one of those cases of Nicolas Cage, like in a genuinely solid movie, which I always get excited for because he's a great actor. And when he gets to showcase it in legitimately good movies with like interesting people and interesting directors, there can be some definite magic. So I have very high hopes for uh, Pig and my news is just the excitement about the trailer for that one from last week. Yeah, that's coming out soon. Like, what, three weeks? Gosh. July 16th. Hot dang. Very excited. <laughs> I would like to see Liam Neeson start doing these kinds of roles. Like, Nicolas Cage is aging much more interestingly. You know, he's doing the, you know, the National... National Treasure 3. Yeah, all, all those National Treasure movies and whatever else. And he does those kind of you know, big things, but then he'll do Mandy or he'll do this. Um, and yeah, way to go. You know, he'd be a good one for Fargo, the TV series. Yes, I would love that. <laughs> he would fit perfectly. Would he be good in that? Yeah. Yeah, he'd be perfect for that kind of a, a thing. But here we are. My little bit of news is I just saw it this morning. Uh, Harrison Ford uh, injured his shoulder. He hurt himself. I know that, I mean, that shouldn't be news, uh, but <laughs> um, yeah, Harrison Ford, uh, he injured his shoulder, uh, like not even filming Indiana Jones 5. He was, they were just doing rehearsal stuff. And I, I just, I mean, Harrison Ford, he, he just needs to hang it up. I, I don't, I don't understand why he's still doing these movies. He doesn't seem to want to be doing these things. No. No. I don't, I he mean. Looks, he looks so annoyed. Yeah. I mean, does, does like, you know, Steven Spielberg's production company, whatever have like, you know, some dirt on him that they're using? Like what's the, what's the leverage that somebody has over him to make him keep acting despite the fact that he clearly doesn't want to be doing it and, and keeps Spielberg's hurting himself. Got laser sights on him. Yeah. I mean, I guess maybe the only upside of him acting is that he's not flying any airplanes. That's the only positive side of that. So I don't know. But yeah, he just needs to stop. He needs to stop doing movies. He doesn't care about it. He keeps getting hurt. And when he gets hurt, production gets messed up for everybody else. So Indiana Jones 5. Um, I guess the, the one thing is, like, at least with him, like Harrison Ford is still doing like movies on occasion. But it's not like the kind of uh, stuff we were talking about with like Liam Neeson, where it's like these movies that are just like totally beneath someone's abilities. Like he's only popping up in like blockbusters and stuff at this point. So, I mean, I guess that's a little bit better, but again, yeah, like you said, he does not seem to be that interested in any of these things. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, it's not like he isn't 
talented. I mean, he's, he's Harrison Ford. He would bring any amount of, uh, you know, gravitas to whatever role that he chooses just based on name recognition alone. So, I mean, I, I get the the paycheck movies he's doing, but it's like, I mean, why not just do a movie that you, you care about? So, whatever. He has, you look at his list and he's got a solid list of credits. Oh, solid yes. List. And I don't, Liam Neeson, I don't think he has that many. You know, it's, they're different, they're different animals, even though they're both very macho men. But um, I think when the, the world is over and we're looking at who were good actors and what happened to them, you'd say, yep, Harrison Ford was a star. And he came through in film after film after film. I mean, and, and things that you wouldn't think, like um, uh, The Working Girl, that was interesting. And he had a kind of a glib kind of quality to him. Witness was interesting. Um, American Graffiti, you know, Star Wars, you don't get bigger than that. I mean, was it Frenzy was really good? Right, right. Yeah, him and Polanski. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely done some, you know, tremendous things. He's got chops. He's deserving of an American Film Institute award or a uh, Kennedy Center honor. Because it's solid there. It's really, really solid. You can't say, oh, we're going to show that one clip over four times and then you'll act like you were really somebody. Right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, he, he just needs to stop. I don't, I don't want to see him get hurt. I don't want to see him, you know, fly his plane onto any more golf courses. I don't want to, like, <laughs> um, yeah, he's, he just needs to stop. So that's my news item. It already works around the clock. So yeah, next week, we're going to be tackling a bunch of really good streaming stuff. we got another new A24 movie coming out. The Big one that we're going to be talking about is No Sudden Move, the new Soderbergh movie coming out on HBO Max uh, and in theaters. Um, and we also got, you know, some big sci-fi stuff and The Purge and the new Netflix horror series. And yeah, there's tons of uh, great stuff to chew on. Unpack the luggage. We're coming next week. Boom, boom, boom. Jared, you want to take our, our nice little uh, closing line here? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, you know, there's a lot you can do right now. Uh, summer is in full effect. Um, it's, it's hot in a lot of places. And so what you can do to uh, cool down a little bit is go to the theaters and uh, see something good. Thank you guys so much, as always. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. And uh, we'll be back uh, next week with some more great movies. So that's the end of the episode. Next week is going to feature a ton of great new releases that we are extremely excited to talk about, so make sure that you are subscribed. You can check the show notes for links to where you can stream the movies that we talked about, discover older episodes, and find ways to contact Bruce, Jared, and myself as well if you want. The show is produced by myself, Bruce, and Jared, and I'm the one who records and edits it. We hope you enjoy the show and are taking care of yourselves out there. As always, thank you so much for listening. But it looks cool and you're thinking, I'm eating gold. <laughs>